0: This is so silly. Why do we do this?
1: <laughs> <to> do this. <laughs> people
0: see me, but they just don't know. What I told you, Carter. people see me, but they just don't know. Just don't know. <laughs> people see me, but they just don't know. Let's
1: <laughs> people. people, people, ah, people, ah, people, ah. people
0: Welcome to the Poetry Gods. Hey,
2: it's Aziz Barnes. Nice to see you.
3: My name is Jose Olivares. My name is Peanut
0: Butter,
2: aka
3: DJ Loves His Nephews, aka Johnny Dangerously, aka Johnny Thunder, aka Johnny Burger King, aka John Sands. Welcome to the Poetry Gods. Today, uh, <laughs> it's a very special day. It's cold outside as we're recording this. Uh, but we're kind of gathered around the table inside of a really homely, I think, beautiful living room uh, space. And, uh, and that's not even the tip of the iceberg uh, because our guest today uh, is an incredible writer. He's an essayist. His book is coming out Ooh. in two months. And his name hey. is Hanif hey. Abdul-Rakib. You can make a little uh, round of applause for him. Uh, and so we're gonna, you know, Hanif, you can say what's up to the what's people. Up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> right um, in the flesh. Yeah. So we're gonna be asking Hanif a bunch of questions in a few minutes. But before we do that, we're gonna go around the table with another round of what? what's, on on mind? Mind? <laughs> Aziz, uh, what's on your mind. Aziza, what's on your mind?
2: On my mind. Um, so. I guess, okay, I was listening to the radio, right, en route out of the crib, which was very hard to get out of the crib, because the crib was so decadently warm, Mm. it was disturbing how decadent that warmth was. Incense was involved, y'all, it was just just absurd, Um, you know, oiled the dreads, it was lit, and I'm getting ready to go outside, and they're telling me, like, it's 25 out, but it feels like 8, and I was like, 8... You know, I haven't been eight for so long. (laughs) That's so far away from me. And then I thought about what I was like when I was eight. And that kid was pretty cool. But I don't necessarily <laughs> like yeah. the degree um, to be a former age of mine. I, I like, want the degrees to be like ages that maybe Lord I won't damn. get there. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, 80, who's to say? But I look up to you. you know? <laughs> degree. Is
3: that how your brain works, though? A like, little bit. Yeah. That you're like, it's eight degrees. Man, being eight was incredible.
2: I do think that. I'm like, well, it'll. this is the leaps, right? These are the leaps. Like, eight degrees. First, it's like shock and terror. Like how dare you? Because I know that that's some unreal shit for me. Yeah. And then I think like eight degrees. Like I've been eight years old before. That should not. This should not align. It, my lifespan should not correspond to the to the temperature. And then I'm like, oh, well, you know, 8 was a pretty interesting age. And then I go outside, and it's It's
3: not interesting at all.
2: <laughs> there's, there's minimal interest yeah. yeah.
3: I like the temperature to be my ages in the future.
2: Exactly. You know? Yeah. Like it's That's 74
3: outside, it, it. and I'm like, I'm Woo. looking forward to that.
2: Right. I'm going
3: to be great.
2: You would be a 74 such a dope 74-year-old. I
3: don't know. I honestly, I've always thought that, but as I've kind of entered into my 30s, mm. not that I'm very far on the downswing, but I feel as though I'm kind of missing my, like I'm on the back, like I already peaked.
2: Nah, sorry. Wow. I
3: physically, I feel as though I've peaked. <laughs> <Physically>. nah.
2: Nah. <laughs> and it's, it's a hard okay.
3: thing. I'm like going for a run and my All like right. chin hurts. It doesn't mean, like I showed up to play basketball with Jose and some folks, and uh, literally, I like, got off my bike, and I took one shot to warm up, and I pulled my groin. But you Damn. didn't, like, tear an ACL. No, that's, that's what, what I did. That's that's I'm still in my <laughs> 20s, you know what I mean? I don't know what my
4: excuses. Jose has the knees of, like, an 80-year-old. That's so what happens. <laughs> I think after, like, Patrick
0: Ewing's knees are, like, in his mid-20s. Damn. I think it's because I'm from Chicago, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just have those Chicago the Darren Rose oh pipeline.
2: <laughs> I feel like when you attributed that to Chicago, I really didn't understand what that meant, and I, I still kind of don't like Chicago knees. What is this?
0: Uh, so all right, it goes back to 2011, where uh, hometown NBA star Derrick Rose, who plays for the Chicago Bulls, sure. tore his left ACL and has since then just sort of continuously injured himself year after year. So, like, the oh, following man. year, he like tore his right meniscus. He just
2: like, I know of this man and his broke knees it's
4: very I think man. it's there's a there's a town in Ohio called Maslin where uh um, when a baby boy is born, they put a football in his crib. Mm-hmm. I feel like in Chicago <laughs> when a boy is born, they just like, <laughs> like I curse, curse the knees. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Give little baby breakfast. <laughs> it might be true.
2: Rough, As, yo. It might
0: be true. So.
2: Let, let us not. Let us not do this anymore. <laughs> 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 gotta cancel that.
3: Yeah. Uh, Jose, you. knees looking good, dude. Thank you, I appreciate what's, it. What's <laughs> on your mind?
0: Uh, so this weekend, I just... <laughs> I'm laughing because uh, my co-host and Hanif already know what I'm going to talk about. I just went to go see The Revenant yesterday. And I really got to tell y'all, I thought it was overrated. I don't think it's a good movie. I think mostly it's just Leonardo DiCaprio suffering in agony. Yeah. But I don't, I'm don't i not convinced that suffering equates to good art or to like a good acting job. You know what I'm saying? Like I think... <laughs> I just the whole time I was just like this is it like this is the whole movie like we just gotta watch himself we gotta watch Leo just drag himself around like that's really the whole movie and people are like thrilled at this it made me think not just about the movie but I wondered if there was something in our culture in in about the way that we experience sorrow uh, in the way that often sorrow we process by ourselves right like in social media, you're not supposed to talk about being sad. Um, you all you can put on there are like your accomplishments, right? Mm-hmm. And it made me think that maybe the reason why we like long to see sorrow in art is because we we're so lonely in our experiences of sorrow. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And if if that was, like, the thing that made it connect, because otherwise, that movie's bad. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, that movie's not a good movie. The story's not good. There are good scenes in it. It's beautifully done, well-produced. A lot of good elements to it. Yeah. But the story was bad. The acting really... Tom Hardy did great. I thought he out-acted Leonardo DiCaprio. And the crazy
3: thing is, it's a bad story, but it's an incredible story. This is a dude who got attacked by a bear and found his way back. I mean, that's that's a story of, incredible, of an incredible feat. There is a great story there. Yeah. Just the movie didn't tell that. Whatever that story was, we didn't know what it was, you know? Yeah.
2: Well, also, I think, like, in this country, and it's around that time, like, Puritan era, like, first... Settlers, colonial-ass folk, like, I think we glorify to a certain, to a large extent, like, our own suffering, you know, the Puritan work ethic, Mm. like, I have to, against all odds, logic, and self-care, continue, you know what I mean? And it's it's something I think that's very heavily ingrained in our culture here, where, like, I mean, especially in this city, it's like, yo, I gotta hustle, I gotta do this, that, and the third, I gotta make all the trains, I gotta do Mm. all the things, I Mm. gotta buy all the stuff, like against all, you know, real, really against all common sense, I have to do all this shit. And so I feel like when we see that movie, probably some people are like, yes! Oh, that's yeah, so yeah. good! Huh. Got beat by a bear! And won! Like, mm. you won the bear beating. That doesn't make any <laughs> sense. It just sucks. <laughs> like, you mm. know?
4: People um, are wandering into the woods like right now, looking for a bear to... <laughs> to
2: fight- <laughs>
4: just so they can say they made it
2: out we like epicness you know like and suspense and retribution yeah but I wonder I wonder
0: if we're not detached from like our own epicness you know what I'm saying I wonder if that's why we long to see those stories in art because we like are so incapable of recognizing them in ourselves and in Mm -hmm. our friends you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. Also, you know, this has nothing to do with that, but it was also just a distracting movie to watch because Leonardo Di- DiCaprio's lips are so messed up the entire time. <laughs> what do you mean? He's got some chapped-ass lips. You, you see him talking, you're like, oh my God, my dude. <laughs> I mean, to
2: his credit,
0: what year was it? <laughs> it, was so it was very strange. early, you know what I'm saying? That's the, probably how they 16-17. got down back then. But Well, <laughs> he's
3: also been trapping like, the freezing wilderness for I months.
0: know, but I
2: just... I, <laughs> 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 yes, 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 please,
0: I could not look <laughs> yeah. at him. And I, I, was just, I was just looking at his lips like, damn, dude, like, we really gotta do better. No, that's a lens,
2: man. That's a lens in which you see a movie. <laughs> that's some
0: My bad. people of color shit. What's... Where's
2: your climax, Leo? I'm sorry, his
0: lips were very distracting. I couldn't listen to him talk. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> it, was, really? uh, it was very difficult for me.
2: You should tell him that.
0: Yeah, you should uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, wherever you are, you know what I'm saying. If you're listening to the podcast, Yo, we gotta you get some do. Carmex, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think, especially because you're probably gonna win an Oscar. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Get some Carmex.
2: I do want him to win. Do Do, do we want Leonardo DiCaprio to win the Oscar? I mean, I don't know if he necessarily deserves it for this movie or whatever, but I'm invested in Leonardo DiCaprio's narrative as a person I don't know.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I want him him to get it for a performance that deserved it. Yeah, I I don't want him. I want him to get it, honest, you know what I
2: mean? Yeah. I mean, the whole thing, the whole Academy ain't.
3: Yeah. You know what I'm
2: saying? So I just want him to have the little gold toy. (laughs) <laughs> that would be nice. It probably. is
3: pretty crazy to think that he doesn't have one. It right? is wild. He's been to so me. good for so long.
2: Yeah, yo. So, but
3: this yeah. is not his best performance.
2: I'm sure it's not. I need to see it. To uh, be fair,
3: he doesn't have a lot to work with. They're right. just like, alright, and next in the script, you're gonna fall <laughs> off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> you just got attacked by a bear. Oh, actually, like.
0: Yes, really. The whole script is just like that. It's like you've got attacked by a
3: bear. All right, right your now- friend's gonna die. Basically, everybody who shows up, most of them are not white men, end up dying. And mm-hmm. like real, like they kind of like just show up to die. Ugh. Like he makes a friend, and then the friend gets hung by these Frenchmen who still like, I don't know, find a way to like etch a sign. I forget what it says. It says like traitor. This lady shows up. She also dies? Yeah, and we're spoiling the movie for you. I mean, no, she doesn't... This is going to come out. She shows (laughs) up to be, like, brutalized so that he, like, kind of stops her from being brutalized. And this is really, like, a spoiler alert. But, like, later on in the movie, that's, like, what saves his life again is that he, like, saved her. So, I don't know. It's a lot, but I felt like... uh, I kind of trust, you know, like, I have a wonderful... Uh, partner who you know we like went to see the movie together if we leave and she's like honestly I was angry every time a woman was on screen
2: mm.
3: I kind of take that as a piece of evidence against the movie <laughs>
2: sure yo that's real as fuck that is real um, very did real. you feel that way
3: in terms of just like the way and like just representation in the movie and kind of I don't know what happens to everybody like all the different characters they're like kind of aren't characters in the movie I Yeah. Hate that. Yeah, again, I I definitely felt
0: that, definitely, I mean, there aren't a lot of women in the movie, period, and the only ones that are in the movie are, like, you know, being harmed via violence or, uh, just, just, like, not, they're not, like, the wife, you know, uh, the wife character is never really developed, we don't really know who she is or, like, Lame. how they met, there's no, there's no real attention paid to her, um. So I definitely get that. Uh, again, I'm just—I was just really distracted by his lips, like. <laughs> that I'm, that I'm, really I'm, needed <laughs> comment. in <that>. uh, <laughs>
2: Yo, but here's the thing. All right, if they were perfect. If they were car you know, like to 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 excess, even you'd be annoyed at that. You'd be
1: <laughs> like,
0: excess. "How you
2: got lip balm and you barely know, you know, like nah. where the next meal is coming? You eating fish out the water? You're not did out it, the water. You not even getting to cook it? It was a like, lot of like and his lips are perfect. I have food. a feeling we'd be having a similar conversation. But I
4: think my question is. Were the women's lips perfect? Because what uh-huh. we see in those films where it's like, or like I in these films were. where it's like they about survival, yeah. I mean, you know, the I women are always were. like perfectly put together, and it's it like, His well,
2: father's ma- yo, that reminds me of an really article big. I saw where all the women was like. 15 times women at the end of the world, like in the apocalypse, managed to shave she their Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Like, shorty on boss, it's like, but never, never do I not find a time never, and a blade to shave my. I'm I'm always angry. i I just be honest? Angry. If
0: the apocalypse is coming, you know what I'm saying? I'm uh-huh. still going to go get a shave. You know what I'm saying? Here's the thing,
2: man. A Here's the thing, man. I'm not. I'm <laughs> like, not.
0: going to the barbershop. I don't
2: even the know. The barbershop
0: will not um, be in the barbershop.
2: You better learn how to right do like, shit.
0: So. Or right before. right before the apocalypse, it's like, that's, what fresh. Right fresh. that's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get yeah. That's what I mean. If the apocalypse comes, you can right. find me at
3: the bar. Everybody's like running for outside. the bread. Exactly. <laughs> I'm I'm you saying. Saying. Like got like dips into the club. Like, you, you got dips in the No, it'll be like, Jose,
2: we don't have time. Like, but I gotta get this line
0: up. Sorry, you know what I mean? It's like the apocalypse is a
4: club. Everybody free before 10. I, gotta get
2: this I would like to have a fresh lineup at that's, the end of the world That's what I'm saying But no but what I'm talking about is more like Standards for feminine body Crap, you know what that's I mean real. It's like, here's the thing If it's the end of the world, now we're living in the apocalypse Shaving my legs is not high on my list Of anything It's mm-hmm. like, that's not a thing anymore We have to forego this Also, lips might be chapped Yeah might be trapped until I find a coconut depends now on the
3: season can you imagine if, was, <laughs> the if he was your the friend season. Jose <laughs> and he came out of the wilderness after three months and was like I got attacked by a bear I crawled <laughs> for a month okay. I fell off a cliff <laughs> i would be, be like, like dude, I'm, honestly, I didn't hear the <laughs> <You know, laughs> things you said. I'd, I'd be like, I'd be like oh, chat. you got a story
0: to tell me. Wait, wait, wait. Let me get you some carboats real quick because oh I'm a good friend. I'm not going to let you be out here like that.
2: I mean, valid, yo. By the time he found you, it would behoove him to have non-chapped lips. That's a nice thing. That's
0: what I'm saying.
2: I just wonder if that's the... You would have uh,
0: him. Reason, yeah. <laughs> I'm so, I, look, I apologize. It was just very distracting. It was hard to listen to him talk because they they were like wow. zoomed in on his face. <laughs> they were, oh, they were yeah. very messed up. That's what's on my mind. <laughs> John, what's on your
2: mind?
3: Also, I think we're addicted to uh, something. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to continue this conversation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so on my mind. Yes,
3: please. Only because I kind of, I really, I, I resonate with what you're saying in terms of just like movies where suffering is just one thing after the other, and that is the whole story. Uh, and I was asking I know Hanif you've seen Passion of the Christ not that we yeah. exchanged texts about it but <laughs> we talked before the show yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's how it felt honestly this, this movie I saw The Revenant I, it, kind of by like the 18th bad thing that happened to Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio Maggie and I were just like kind of trading looks uh, and being like, well, that's not really affecting anymore because mm. kind of weird. that just keeps happening in this movie. And I remember I saw the Passion of the Christ, which I don't know why I went to the Passion of the Christ, but I did. It's a real question. You know I mean, but honestly, so I, I feel like, you know like I've also gone to the Creationism Museum. Mm. Uh, it's outside of Cincinnati. No, Cincinnati Have yeah, you been there before, honey? Yeah, yeah, right. Perhaps on the same day I saw Passion. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Perhaps
3: I was like, let me get this all out of the way right now." Wow. So there's a museum outside of Cincinnati called the Creationism Museum, which is very strategically placed. It's not in the city; it's kind of a little further into Kentucky, and it's built as a you know real history museum, except it's all uh, you know history pertaining to the to the Bible. So the the world is actually seven thousand years old. There are a lot of you know, scientists, in quotation marks, are trying to tell you differently. There's a (laughs) real-life diorama that you can walk through of the Garden of Eden with with dinosaurs in it. What? (laughs) Sounds amazing. Dinosaurs? I mean, it's honestly a beautiful museum. There are millions of dollars into it. And anyone who's like, oh, wow, I'm fascinated by that and kind of what they're selling, you know... They're not like, get out of here because you're a Mm. non-believer. They're like, that's $35 as your ticket, and (laughs) enjoy. Uh, But I went to The Passion of the Christ much in the same way. It was such a huge deal. And I remember I got so high
1: Mm.
3: before I went to The Passion of the Christ. I was in Athens, Ohio, and I fell asleep during it in just like a packed movie. And it felt like it was a six-hour-long movie because (laughs) it just like... (laughs) I would wake up and they were just doing something else that was really awful to Jesus and then I'd like (laughs) sleep and wake up and be like damn dude now they like cut off his thumb or something like it just kept happening over and over again and I felt like I got the gist even though I slept through that movie I feel like I really got it
2: um major amounts of suffering did you see it no
4: I saw I saw a passion I saw passion of Christ on a date because oh wait, God. the
3: movie. Who? Are wait, <laughs> who were you on a date with? Was it the first date? the Was, was, day? Day was, I on was
4: it? It was. Well, it was. Okay, so I was on a. Uh, I was maybe a senior in high school, and I was like courting this young woman, and we were trying to see something else, and that <laughs> something else sold out. And it was, like, in Columbus, there's a mall called Easton, and it's, like, big, and they just put in this big, fancy theater, and so, like, tickets were selling out, like, crazy. Yeah. Um, and something else that already sold out, and, like, a lot of the movies were sold out, and Passion of the Christ was on, like, its, like, back end, so, like, no one was going to see it anymore, Dang. and Week I was, like, well, we're trying for to, Passion which, of the yeah, because it was in theaters <laughs> for, like, half of a year, you awesome. know I mean? so we were, like, well, what? you know, we got to go to a movie. Let's go to this one. Mm-hmm. And then halfway in, I was like, man, this is a bad idea.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, what do you do in that situation? turn.
2: I feel Do you turn to the point, person
0: you're courting and you're like, hey, Jesus 28?
2: is dying right now. Yeah, you you can't, it's make not make out really romantic.
3: Let's real <laughs> make out, let's, let's it make doesn't doesn't out right feel good. now. The Lord is on the TV. Make out while Jesus is <laughs> <great laughs> <great> dying. <and laughs> like, like put died. your hand on somebody's leg. I was like, not the mood for that.
2: Yo, that yo, that's on par with making out during Schindler's list. Yeah. Like old <laughs> episode. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're just like and they're just like, shame on you, Jerry. Newman saw you making out during Schindler's list. What is wrong with you? I feel like Passion of the Christ we made out during Passion of the Christ. One, you can't brag about that. Like no. you can't go home and tell your boys or your girls or whomever, like right. or your gender non-conforming, it's like, hey, I made out during Passion of the Christ. That's like, what I did.
0: tonight. That's, that's- mad.
2: That's <laughs> not. <mad laughs>
0: Rude. I made out during Passion of the Cross. Was, <laughs> so you know. was it a first date? Uh no, it was like third or
4: fourth. I mean we we uh, were like mostly it talking. Forward. It was like in high school, right? So you're like, you know, talking or whatever. Um and it was like the Saturday after um so I played um soccer, basketball in high school and it was like the Saturday after we, like, our soccer team won a really big game, so it was, like, real hype. Everyone was, the whole, like, the whole cohort of, of high schoolers were hype, and I was like, yeah, man, tonight's tonight I'm going to solidify this dating thing, and then that happened, and it, it didn't solidify. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't solidify. It was the complete opposite of
0: solidify. Was it, solidify. Sorry, bro. Was it one of those situations <laughs> I think where you were, out like, for the better? I think so too. you were, like, riding momentum. You were, like, alright, well, we oh, yeah. just won this big game. Anything is possible right now. Yeah. Even a date during Passion of the like when you're 16 and 17
4: and like you're a high schooler and you're like, and one thing goes right for you, you feel like the whole world is yours. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I remember the day I got my license, and I was like, I can do literally anything I want. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't a car at the time. I was like, this accomplishment happened, and I'm like 16. Whoa. The whole world is mine. You know what I mean? So I'm so still that.
2: like that. <laughs> literally, do i you get like go- a good piece of mail and? <laughs>
3: Do you feel like it would have gone differently had Passion of the Christ not been involved? Like if you gotten to go see, uh, I don't know, Airbud? No, I think, I think the <laughs> so reason is also a of. bad date <laughs>
0: <laughs> I also don't want to be making out during Air Bud. I think I can so-
4: comfortably blame it on Passion of the Christ to make myself feel better, but the reality is I was a terrible teenager, and I think Aww. that's why I didn't. I think my arrogance and uh, lack of understanding is why it didn't go well. That's, that's, but Passion of the Christ probably played a part, too, TBH. That's real. I'm going to yeah. say it played 100%. a
2: good percentage.
4: Either. Yeah, 90% Passion of the Christ, 10% my inability to function as a yeah.
3: I feel like you have to be an arrogant teenager to feel like you can overcome Passion of the Christ. Yeah, so just yeah. walking on a date like... Yeah.
4: And like we were the only people in theaters, like us and like really old couple who was clearly seeing it for like the twenty fifth time. You know what oh I mean? wow! And it was just like it was like in the small theaters. You know when a movie gets like it's been in theaters forever, they move into one of the tiny theaters. So it was yeah. like thirty seats. We were the only people in there with this old couple. It was, it was a disaster. And we couldn't walk out because I was like, no, we, I paid money. You know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> I paid, and that was back when tickets
3: weren't even that expensive. You know yeah, what I mean? It was like, right. I, paid, I paid
4: $10. <laughs> I'm going to
3: sit through this whole movie. Dang,
1: <laughs> so
3: when you say you were an arrogant teenager, what do you mean? Like-
4: uh, well, I think I was, I was like very stereotypical uh, high school jock slash popular kid. Uh, I was probably at my worst my freshman year of college. I played soccer in college, and so like I had this whole ego built around being a college athlete that mm-hmm. wasn't literally was absurd. <laughs> um, like, I would, like, carry a soccer ball around campus. Like, I, you know, it was, like, weird. Just doing weird shit. <laughs> that you didn't need? That I didn't even need to do. It like, it was, yeah, I didn't need a soccer ball. It was, like, you know, i was just walking around so you know that I'm a man. You know, but it was weird. It was mad weird. Ball is um, life. Ball is life. That's, just, like, that's also a counterpoint. Ball is, <laughs> ball is in I'm fact, terrible. life. Um, so, yeah, I think it was just weird. I was weird. I was, like, the youngest of, of, of four kids, too, and, like, um... I think it's one of those things where, like, you, when you find something that's yours, you know what I mean? You kind of go wild with it because, mm. you, you know, you're kind of overlooked. <laughs> you're overlooked mm. as the youngest. So when you find something that's like yours and yours alone, it's like, I got to go bananas. I got to let the <laughs> world know. Um, and it's not always good. It wasn't always a good look for
2: me. I feel mm. you, dude. I mean, I don't personally because it's not my story, but I, I <laughs> <it's>
4: empathize. <the thighs. laughs> empathize, <thighs>. yeah. Were <laughs> you
2: an athlete as you saw? Oh, yeah. I did um, cross country and track from about 7th grade till my senior year. And I used to train with my dad when he would do marathons. I always
3: envied the wow. cross-country and track team.
2: Why? Because I mean, they should, just, but why? <laughs> I,
3: honestly, it just seemed like magic to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was a football player, and football was really hard. Yeah. Practice-wise, lifting-wise, but I just felt like the cross-country team made the hardest thing in the world look easy, which is running. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They'd just be like, alright, we're gonna go for like a 12-mile run totally. together while like laughing.
2: Yeah, they do laugh. We There's a laugh. lot
3: of weird play that happens. I don't know <laughs> if that's true for most teams, but like the cross-country team is always like a little weird, oh. a little like band, like kind of sexual. We're
2: the mystics. <laughs> you know, we're like... Geeky, we're the geekiest of all sports. Kind of sexual. I mean, the <laughs> bus rides, so- because you have We're to take these long-ass bus rides to these meets, right? Uh, I remember there was one at Apple named Mount SAC, which is, like, oh, <laughs> nice. no. And we would drive wow. a three-hour bus ride there, three-hour bus ride back, you know? And it's, like, you put in all this energy into this 3.4-mile race. And yeah. you train for weeks, and you're running, like... I mean, also when you're running with somebody for 10 miles during training, that person's like your person, like you're breathing mm. with them at the same time, and mm. you're stepping with them at the same time, you're ending, and everything is in unison for the most part, if that's like the person you run with, and you run with that person during the meets, and when you see like the finish line, and you're almost there, and you've been running for dumb long, and you can like go, everyone's like screaming on the sides. so you're like, just move your legs faster! I mean, it's a wild feeling. Wow. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and, and very sexual, honestly. The team is, like, cloistered together. Um, it's odd. It's an odd group of folks, but I don't know.
3: I say that it's either. very sexual, but honestly, maybe that's just high school clubs in general. Yeah. Well, football was very uh, homoerotic, mm-hmm. you know, which is a weird dynamic because we didn't have any players who were out on the team, though I'm positive that there are... You know, not because I know who they are, but I just am positive that people that I played football with, you know, are other places on the sexuality spectrum than they kind of were presenting as when they were in high school. Because I say say it's very sexual because, like, we'd be in the locker room afterward, and there was a concrete floor, and we would all shower together, and if we won... We would pour water all over the floor of the actual locker room, and then we'd put soap all over the floor of the locker room, and we'd do like naked slip and slide. What is this? <laughs> you know, just like a bunch what? of yeah. naked dudes doing naked slip and slide. Sexual and unsanitary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean like there was just a lot of that like a lot of the hazing right. and not that we weren't a crazy hazing team at least I wasn't super you know involved in that kind of thing but when we were freshmen somebody would definitely like sit up and do another dude's asshole
2: uh, who would uh. like
3: fart I mean it's classic and awful. Farting. Yeah, I mean... Classic. It is. You know, I mean,
2: classic.
3: <laughs> classic in as much as it happens. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot. And it has happened for a long time. Traditional. But the weird thing about it is that it's very sexual and it's it's like kind of crazy to look at a locker room like that and say wow, it's very homoerotic and try to explain why it is absolutely not a safe space for mm. anyone who is not a straight Man, in that moment, right. mm-hmm. uh, it was almost like we are doing this on the agreement that nobody here is gay. Yeah, you know, not that even every individual member has to feel that way for that to be true, because that wasn't certain. That wasn't how I felt when I was in uh, by my senior year or anything like that. Right, but you know, like the way in which homoerotic sports culture holds, uh, kind of like a heterosexual feel Mm. as, like, a bargaining chip uh, is pretty wild.
2: Yeah. It's kind of like if... uh, But the interesting thing is I believe all that about football, right? And none of that is true for cross-country or track, I feel like. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, like... At least not, like... I feel like the sprinters and the distance runners had a very different culture, period. Like, the sprinters, it was, like the very um everything was very like uh, sexual and very um people were just bouncing off each other like that cuz the training's just different and it's a lot closer to football training it's a lot more weights it's a lot more like very hard on your body we would have to take ice baths together <laughs> so this is like Ugly tub Where you dunk ice in it And everyone's wearing Like the tiniest shorts And shit And you're sitting In ice together Like this It's disgusting But then There was always This kind of like Snide feeling about it Like oh yeah I gotta take an ice bath With with Austin and them Like it's just what I have to I mean the coach said I have to do it And so I'm gonna go do it It's like why are you Cheesing like this It's gonna (laughs) suck You know But (laughs) I mean You know It's an intimate I mean the bath is like This big between me And you know. We're sitting next to each other, that's the bath, right? So, there's all these moments in which, you know, especially for the sprinters, it was like that. Mm-hmm. But for distance folks, it was just like, what you have to do is by definition ugly. So, like, you know, you're gonna look disgusting. There's nothing particularly gorgeous about this or like as epic as a 200 sprint, you know what I'm saying? Like, to finish that in good time is like, you're the man, you can kind of do whatever you want for the rest of the day. But if you run your two-mile and maybe you're a minute better than you thought, which is huge, no one's like, hey, you're the guy. You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) good job, you smell. Please go home.
4: (laughs) I also like, though, I also like thinking about, like, uh, and I guess, like, I think about this in all the writing I do, too. Like, moments of intimacy in times that are not, by definition, supposed to be intimate. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like... The time I spend at the gym, right? Like, the time I spend doing stuff I generally don't like to do but feel like I have to do to survive. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The intimacy and, like, (laughs) getting my Gmail inbox to zero, right? And then finding that one that I really care about crafting. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think intimacy is a a weird
0: thing to balance.
2: Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. You play any sports, say. back in the day?
0: Um... The only time I played official sports was in seventh grade. We had a three day tryout process, uh, and I was sure that I was cut from the team. And then (laughs) I showed up (laughs) to school the next day after three days of tryouts, and I was the last person picked for the team. Wait, what team? This this is the seventh grade basketball team at Wenwood Junior High. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Shout out to Wenwood Junior High. Big ups to seventh grade Jose. (laughs) Made the team. team. But this is the thing it was not really an accomplishment because the coach told me he was like, it came down to you and Chris. And I just knew that you were gonna be academically eligible
3: the whole time.
0: Right, <laughs> hey,
3: oh, he still told making you a that.
1: Team.
0: Yeah.
3: Why do you need to know that? <laughs> I, feel like, I you don't. like for transparency's sake, I want to tell you this <laughs> shit that you don't need to know. That's only gonna make to you do. feel bad. Right. It had
0: nothing to do with your basketball playing skill, and everything to do with your ability to get math questions right. Congratulations, you all the team. That would
2: bum me out, yo. I'm I wasn't sorry. bummed
0: out at the team. I was. I was. At, I was really excited to be on the team. Mm. And sure enough, like week eight came, and I was starting because we had like ten academically ineligible players. You know what I'm wow. saying? That's what you got to bank on. I was starting power forward. Yeah, wow. I went. It was like against our arch nemesis. You, we went, got, you went for twenty and ten? No, I went for like I, I went for like five points and five fouls. <laughs> I like fouled out I didn't play the second half, but it was still very exciting. I mean, yeah. in my head, I heard like the Chicago Bulls theme music, I was like, this is it, y'all. This is my moment. That's
2: amazing,
0: <laughs> But I was literally the last person picked.
2: Aww, but you're smart. You're so smart. I was yeah.
0: so smart. I was very smart. And then you went to Harvard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> when I went to Harvard, I used to tell people that I was going on an athletic scholarship to play point guard for the Harvard Crimson. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because everybody thought Harvard was terrible so oh. it made sense. They were like... Okay, I can see that. <laughs> but the thing was, they're good. They're good. The thing is, one, they're good. Two, the real point guard of that Harvard was team Jeremy Lin? was Jeremy Lin. We were the same year. He was the real. Wow. He was the real point guard for the Harvard Crimson. Did, did you shoot? know Jeremy Lin? Um, I'm sure I, I met him a couple times, but I don't have any memory of that. Uh. I'm sure we like saw each other in the dining hall or something.
2: Uh, in yes. other
3: basketball news, Jose and I played basketball recently. Uh, in a pickup game and you were regarding a 7th grader. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: remember mean
3: this. this I is more this. bad news. And this, this is, kid. This is terrible. <laughs> I mean, I say 7th grade. He might have been a 6th grader, honestly. Jose was coming that back. That makes it worse. Well, he Jose was, was coming back, though. He was coming back from
0: a serious knee injury. Listener, what you got to understand is that yeah, take I nearly I nearly tore my ACL back in October. I want to say it was October. This was your comeback game? This was my comeback game.
4: <laughs> you, got roasted, you, know I mean? you got roasted by a 6th grader? Wait, wait. We're going to get
0: this. <laughs> get you know in October I I went up for a block I landed on my right foot I was okay I landed on my left foot I collapsed I, I heard something pop I thought for sure I tore an ACL I like immediately was like John calling an ambulance <laughs> I was like hey, calling an ambulance
3: yeah, uh, and then I went to the hospital, <laughs> and Nate uh, Instagrammed a That's picture of so you in the stretcher, hey, getting into ambulance. I hate Talk Nate Marshall. <laughs> like
2: Marshall, that was not What, cool. kind, of, what kind of garbage? <laughs> no, but I'm so, so mad at him. Going to Shout hospital. out Nate Marshall. Not to plug in, but I'm mad because I'm in Mississippi and I see this picture of Jose in a gurney, and yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is good, Nate? Why are you posting this all in a panic? And then I come and find out you're okay but like in
0: pain in pain lots of pain there was a lot of pain uh, I'm on the the gurney in the back of the ambulance on the way to the hospital and I'm just replying to comments under the picture <laughs> it was maybe the most hilarious moment of 2015 for me oh, uh, I was
2: so mad we get
0: to the hospital so me, it's me and my boy Courtney Lamar Charleston shout out to Courtney we're he's a really dope poet very fine um, we're going to get him on the podcast soon um It's me and Courtney, and I'm like, "Yo, Courtney, we gotta record a press conference. We gotta." This has nothing to do with the story, but we recorded a press conference, uh, in which I talk about coming back from injury to play the playoffs, and you know, I talk about just taking my time. Anyway, it turns out I just sprained my ligaments; nothing was torn, but I was on crutches for a long time. Uh, Mo Brown gave me a cane to use. I was on cane for a while. The cane was actually really cool. I mean, type great. fly. Yo. I look pretty cool with the cane. I'm not gonna <laughs> what lie. What happened with <laughs> the sixth grader? Right. All right, <laughs> <laughs> My bad. I, I have to get there. I have to tell
3: you everything that comes before that. Uh, I just wanna know that. makes a great point. All right, so John calls what me up. He's like,
0: John calls me up. He's <laughs> like, Yo, you ready for the comeback? And I'm Damn. like, I don't know, man. I'm, st- I'm, I don't know. I'm a little nervous, but I'll do it. Let's play. So, we go down to Brooklyn Bridge Park, and we play basketball, and my job is to guard the 6th grader. 6th or 7th grader, it was hard to tell, you know what I mean? Uh, but he was just running a lot, you know what I mean? I was like, come on, man.
3: I'm coming back from injury, I don't want to run this much. He this was running, fun. and he missed his first 7 shots. He missed a lot of shots. And then he never missed again. <laughs> then,
2: oh, God.
3: And
0: then he just, like... Hit me with backdoor cuts for layups. You know what I mean? He was, like, cutting to the hole. He was, like, hitting three-point shots. Anyway, our team won the first game. We lost the second game. So, it we went to the tiebreaker game and the, you know, third game. And we're tied. It's, like, going back and forth, back and forth. We're, like, no twos, no twos, right? Which means no three-pointers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just sag off of this sixth grader for, like, two seconds. Yeah, that was a mistake two seconds and he gets the ball and I jump out at him and he just switches a three-pointer and we mm. lost.
3: And literally doesn't even stick around to celebrate with his team. He walk, he runs straight like 30 yards to his mom and they go like in the car. Yes. Oh, that's, right.
0: that's how young this kid is. He ran straight to his mom. Yo, Jose, I didn't was, know about
2: the mom at least.
0: the minivan. Right. Wow. Yeah, probably. Oh, that's a probably. disaster, man.
2: Dude, that's rough.
0: But the good news is my knee did not collapse. Valid. <laughs> I survived that, you know what I mean? So I felt like that was a good first step. I feel like... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's I'm a just, process. I'm
2: sorry, it's distracting. I'm picturing the small child sprinting to his mother's van. Yeah, yo. I didn't even see. I didn't even get to be like, yo, know, good shot, little man. Leo's lips, yo. Good shot. <laughs> <laughs> it's on par. I can't. I can't even hear.
0: Well, there's no comments for the type of pain that I suffered. I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
1: Damn, homie.
3: So, Hanif, we have you at freshman year as a soccer player yeah does that mean you weren't a soccer player sophomore junior senior year no i was that's just my freshman year was the most prominent
4: one for me <laughs> why is why uh i think adjusting to college soccer was was the most fun and interesting the game is faster and i'm short i was like i'm too short to play college sports i think mm. um You know, my scouting report coming to college had a lot of, like, the coded language we see them use with black athletes where it's, like... Fast, you know what I mean? They're like instincts, you know what I mean? Like you see it when you talk about like black yeah, yeah. quarterbacks and in in in, in 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 like American-born black soccer players. Now, I was the first in all sports. Um, in all sports, yeah, yeah. Um, I was the first American-born player of color that my college had ever had on the soccer team. What? Like ever? What college serious? was it? Capital University in Columbus, Ohio. Bexley, Ohio, technically. Oh, it was uh, in Bexley. Yeah. Yeah, Bexley is a suburb of, uh, for those who don't know, Bexley is a suburb of Columbus, and it is very close to the area where I grew up. I grew up on the east side of Columbus, which is, like, poor, mostly black. Um, Bexley is, like, very affluent, mostly white. And so it's, like, there's this real weird tension. Mm I actually have a piece coming out soon about the first time I was pulled over by police, uh, like an essay coming out about the first time I was pulled over by police in Bexley. Uh, mm-hmm. It was like a horrific experience, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're just not used to seeing black people uh, unless they're like on the quote-unquote other side of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so going to college there was a really jarring thing for me, I think. It was really hard to be in that space. They were like, I, I, I hear the capitals better now as far as like quote-unquote diversity because, uh, you know, I feel like diversity is like A word often but not something that people are committing to yeah Um, so I think capital is doing better in the the quote-unquote kind of diversity where it's like the percentage is is not one percent anymore but there aren't anything for there's not ways for black students to feel safe or comfortable or you know like when I was there there was like less than one percent black students Mm. which is wild because it's sandwiched in between these two neighborhoods that are like almost all black wow
2: Mm. They do that a lot with colleges. Like, oh, yeah. My mom in LA would laugh when she saw like young white chicks jogging around USC. She'd cackle in the car. She'd be like, they don't know they're in the hood. <laughs> yeah. You know, just rude because she's mad that like they're not mm. interested in learning about this city. Same with Yale, you know. It's I like, live on
4: Yale's campus as yeah. well. Yeah. You live right now in Yale's I campus? I live right now, yeah. Like, literally, Yale is a three minute walk from my house. Wow. My apartment. Yeah. Um and I and I live on the side of Yale's campus that is like that most would probably consider the quote unquote good side. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um but yeah I mean Yale is it's the same way. It's just plopped down in the middle of the city. Mm-hmm. Um and you can definitely see the divide uh between the people who actually live in the city and the people who go to Yale. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when I when I'm when I'm like out in downtown New Haven it's like, man, it's like is like blinders. The people who are in Yale are just like completely oblivious to everyone else around them.
2: Totally. It's wild. It's rude. Yeah. Also, also I feel like yeah. you know, like it's a it's a really dope community, I'm sure, if they decided to look at it. Yeah. Um and like, and yeah. maybe even decided to stay or like be part of it. I don't know, I have a lot of thoughts about colleges plopping. It is a plopping. I oh mean, yeah. Like, like you're just I this mean, giant thing in the middle of People living
4: and some of them just keeps you know I'm from I'm from Columbus Ohio and uh, of course Ohio State's there and Co- Ohio State just keeps spreading right Ohio State is just like this slow spreading monster that just keeps consuming the central part of of Columbus mm-hmm. and I'm
3: really curious to see how that how that keeps happening Ohio State feels like it is Columbus Ohio mm-hmm. yeah and you know like yeah. I I mean, that's maybe just like growing up in Cincinnati, I feel like when I thought of Columbus. It wasn't until, I don't know, probably after I was out of college that I thought of Columbus not as campus. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And some of these huge universities, like the University of Michigan, Columbus, that just grow over the town by everything... Which, of course, I should say it, it's not- you know, like there's a lot of Columbus that is not Ohio State and actually is really fucking awesome, <laughs> but it, but you get that feel from the university like yeah. it'll just maybe one day be all of Columbus. <laughs> and I hope not. i I mean, a lot of the poems I am writing
4: or was writing um, in the book are about gentrification, right? Because I've just watched Columbus just completely change in the course of the past decade probably Um, and I think there's like unspoken violences that come out of that there's like violence that happens due to the displacing of people in waves and I don't know if that gets addressed a lot as much as it is like
3: well look at this new coffee shop you know what I mean
4: they're like look at this
3: new shoe store so, what are some of the things that you witnessed in Columbus, other than just like more white college students or or just like hip young hipsters moving yeah. into neighborhoods where they you know haven't historically been? Like, uh, what are some of the changes?
4: I think the thing I, I notice the most, and Capital is doing this right. Bexley is expanding on each side, and I, I can't describe Bexley without people like seeing it right. I mean, it's legitimately this affluent suburb, and then you like go one block and it's not there. It's just like, then it's like you see boarded up houses, right? And so the city is just buying people out of their homes. And and I think the biggest impact it's having is now there are food deserts, right? Because the grocery stores are being torn down. And Mm. so the people who still live in these areas don't have access to a supermarket that is walkable, and many of them walk or take public transportation. Um, and the public transportation system in Columbus is a, a mess, mm. right? And so um, all of these things are interconnected, I think. right? And I think oh, oftentimes yeah. when people think of gentrification, they just think of, like, this new building went up, mm-hmm. and that's the end of it. But it, it it leaves, like, a really intense legacy that can stretch for decades. Yeah, You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And this is all to say that I love Columbus, and I'm so proud to be from there, and mm. I, I talk about that pride almost all the time.
2: Yeah.
4: Um, but that doesn't mean it's immune to criticism, I think.
2: My mama sure. from there. Really? Yeah, my whole family on her side from there. It's from
4: Columbus, I? Yeah. Hey. That's dope. Without me a doubt. Bust.
2: Yeah, all man. Day. I mean, she'll tell me stories about my great, great auntie Kuma, who I'm told is, like, batshit insane, you know, like, just, I mean, and that's, that's with all love, right? But this yeah, yeah. is the truth of it. But and right. she was telling me about, um, she was potentially... Like, from a town similar to this town, um, Chihuacati. Chihuacati. Right. So, my mom has been investigating the family history of Chihuacati because there's, like, huge amounts of um, mental illness in our family. You know, just, like, all spectrum, everyone has something, right? And um, talking about, like, uh, Chihuacati as, like, a town, she described it, full of predominantly... Light skinned black folk, yep, if not Very entirely true. light skinned black yeah. folk, and so just the creation of those towns she's been really interested in like where mm. people would go. There's a lot of inbreeding she would talk about potentially. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, I always think about that when I think about where my mama from and all the wildness they're in.
0: All the wildness, yeah, 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 man. Word, I feel like gentrification is one of those words that we talk about to the point that that we we lose clarity about what we're talking about. You know what I mean? I think people think gentrification, and they think, oh, it's just one community moving in and one community moving out, and I think that they miss a lot of those violences that you're talking about, you know what I mean? The fact that it's it's not just a matter of, like, who lives in a certain place, but it's a matter of, like, resources that are denied or, like... Uh, yeah, I just... I I think that there's... It, that gentrification is more violent than what people actually think you know what i'm saying i mean i think the whole question
4: right that i think i'm always looking to have answered is who deserves to have access to what they need to survive and who does not Mm -hmm. right like i think that's the question that um plagues entire histories right Mm -hmm. uh gentrification is is rooted in that um, it's rooted in this concept of like what does quote unquote better mean because mm-hmm. we always see like, well this this neighborhood we're making it better and we don't uh, there's no understanding of what better means or better for who or like what? And, and who's who is this becoming worse for. Yeah. Um and the standard of better is always or traditionally usually white yeah. or more affluent than before and then people are no longer no longer have access to the things they need. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think we have to live in communities where people have access to what they need, or else what are we doing? Right? Yeah. What are we doing to people? What are we doing to families? Mm-hmm. And I think Columbus has um, failed to really pull that together in a lot of ways. Um, and that 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 is a, that's a heartbreaking thing for me, who as someone who's like from there and who loves it deeply, and who like yeah, yeah. I would I want to retire in Columbus, you know what right. I mean? Like I want to live my last days there because it's you know I want to buy a house on the east side where I grew up and, and live, you know yeah uh, I think that's like I'm really proud to be from somewhere because not everyone has that. That's a privilege, you know that's what I mean? like,
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
4: and, and so I think you know honoring that, like you know my my wife is. Uh, was an army army brat, as she she would say. And so she doesn't have that lineage, right? She can't say, like, I'm from here. She can say, like, well, I was born here, and then I went here, and then I went here. Wow. And so I'm really proud to, to say, like, I'm from somewhere. Like, I have roots somewhere, and, and yeah. my home and community is in this one place.
3: Totally. That's what's up. And so you lived in Columbus after you got out of college? Yeah. Well, yeah. did straight... Is this past move the first... No, or? I lived in Charlottesville, Virginia for a year.
4: Um, I had a job that was based in Columbus, but it had a branch in Charlottesville, and they I worked out there for a year. And I loved Charlottesville, uh, kind of. Um, and then, yeah, so this is the second big move I've had. Why the, kind of? Why did I kind of love Charlottesville? I think Virginia's weird, because Virginia's like... The worst... uh, I don't know. Virginia's (laughs) like the, the... Worst parts of Southern stereotypes, right? Because they're like... We don't wanna like we don't wanna have good barbecue, but we want these Confederate flags. <laughs> like, yeah. We don't
2: wanna have good barbecue. Who that? We yeah. don't want good barbecue. No, like, in like, the
4: we all got sweet tea, but we got these Confederate flags on there. That's terrible. And, and Charlottesville's a little more like it's just like UVAs so It's like a college sure. town. But once you get outside Charlottesville, I mean, Richmond, I was in Richmond last year and still, I don't know if it's still there today. But driving into Richmond, the first thing you see is a gigantic Confederate flag on the the statehouse. It might not be there today. I was in Richmond last spring. Um, But so, yeah, I mean, Virginia's got Virginia is a love hate thing for me. I have I have uh, friends, new friends in Connecticut. Uh, who went to Tech and, and loved Blacksburg a lot, and I'm always like, man, y'all, I wish I could see, I wish I could see the beauty in Blacksburg, like y'all see, because I'd be like, mm. I, I want, I'm always, I love people who write about where they're from because I, like, yeah. really want to see the beauty in other places that yeah. I've never been to, mm. or places that I can't experience, um, but Virginia is one of those things where it was, like, one year, and I was like, I gotta get out, I gotta yeah. bounce, I gotta go back to Ohio. What?
2: Mm. I have a friend who's from West Virginia, a beautiful writer, and anything and everything he would write would be about West Virginia. I mean, every time without fail, all the streets and highways of West Virginia. And I still, even after reading all of that, have no desire. Where? Or, and I don't want to go to West, West Virginia. West Virginia is mad beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't, it's like, it's like, we, it's like we were discussing Wyoming the other week and <laughs> trying to convince him to say that Wyoming has Wyoming some is flights. also mad beautiful. Yeah. I'm that yeah.
0: still fuck Wyoming. Where? <laughs> at, yo, Wyoming is like, I don't, I'm not
4: trying to like, I'm not trying to like, the party is not in Wyoming. You know I mean?
0: <laughs> well, Wyoming is that beautiful. No, you're, no. Trying to, you're trying to go on like a, a writing no, no. retreat in like Laylow. I did. You know, I'm trying to go on a writing retreat to the south side of Chicago. Really. Nah, you gotta you gotta
4: meet you gotta meet states where they're at is what I learned. So I've been mm-hmm. to, I've been to every mm-hmm. state except two. Wow. Um, and I learned like halfway. What two through, have you not been to? I haven't been to Alaska and I haven't been to, uh, North Dakota. North Dakota, I kind of got no excuse because like. You know, I'd like it should drive through it. You were in South Dakota because I fucked
3: I fucked rushmore. Fuck rushmore. <laughs> oh, rushmore, and you were like, Ah, oh, to Rushmore could go a few miles in north Dakota, but I've been in South Dakota like four times. So I, I fucked <laughs> fuck
4: with not Rushmore. rushmore. <laughs> I, I,
0: yeah. Still not tomorrow, to North Dakota. Like
4: I just fly in and I I rock. I haven't been around Rushmore in a while, but I rock with it real heavy. The Black Hills too. Like Word. I vibe with the Black Hills, and I I can't. I don't. Every summer I'm like, you fuck with Wyoming? I
3: do fuck Wyoming. Yeah.
0: Ha. I'm sure it's beautiful. Look, I'm sure it's beautiful. Still, no
3: interest in the I going can feel Wyoming. you kind of softening your stance <laughs> I don't well,
0: you know. We didn't get a lot of look, I'm look sure it's like,
3: beautiful a couple days any. ago. Not but
0: but like, the hard thing about recording this podcast one. is. I don't even remember what I said about Wyoming. No, you know
2: what, I'm what you said was this. You said, fuck Wyoming.
3: That was, was off. Awesome. And I showed you a photo. Did okay. I, I have picture. pulled you pulled up a photo Wait, on my look, of like did a Did I have
0: any red. rationale? I, just off top yes.
3: I didn't have
2: any rationale. No. Nothing.
0: I just said fuck no, Wyoming. And you
2: also said that like you would oh, write no. a Yelp review of a place you had not been to
0: just because you didn't like no. the vibe. I just say, can I
3: just I so, That's reckless so man Wyoming, <laughs> Wyoming <laughs> is a so, like, low key Like low key Wyoming is a <laughs> top 20 state Hey yo. Wyoming, my is bad. Who gives many reviews. Yeah. So many things. So, to Wild move, my bad. Moves. I'm sorry about listening <laughs> Look, to it. Like, I
0: don't know what I said earlier on this podcast. <laughs> I can't be held accountable. Wyoming is top 20, man. Saying. It's like the
4: bottom half of the top 20. It's I like was 19. Off
0: the list. <laughs> <laughs> It's the bottom half
4: of the top 20. <laughs> it's like 19 or 20, but it's a top 20 state. I'm, I'm sure also, it's beautiful. Two well, two two what two is
3: it? Oh, go ahead. No, I
2: just want to inhale Say's defense. Jason, at the time we were recording with him, and he was egging you on, also adding, Reasons why he did not. Jason why but not, but not because of any any yeah. basis in fact or any. Jason ain't never been either. No, of not. I've, never, no I've, been I've
4: never been a i None world. of us have ever been a white. You just gotta meet where it's at. There aren't. You aren't gonna see any people of color, right? You just gotta find right, well, the cabin.
0: If there are no That's people of me. color, then fuck Wyoming. <laughs> 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 I'm back on that. I'm back on that track. <laughs> well, I, I found my but reason. Yeah, you're you're thinking like.
4: It's like less than one percent for sure. But whenever I've, whenever I've gone, I've only gone twice. I've gone and like straight up on some like solo shit. I used to take really long road trips when I was younger. I used to take really like that sounds absurd road trips. That
0: sounds so much. I went
4: to like one spring break in college. (laughs) So I read I read Friday Night Lights the book. And got like really amped up on that shit and was like, I'm going on this to Odessa, Texas. It's like <laughs>
3: when I was like nineteen I was like inspired, you know, I was like Wait, nineteen. Did the book inspire the, the show? television series? The movie, not the show. Okay. Well, the movie with James TV. Vanderbeek? No, that's
4: that's varsity blues. All of these have similar threads, right? Like right. like there's there's a superstar who gets injured and then there's like a like if Friday night lights a book, a superstar gets injured and then a backup comes in and dies. you know, so it's like Friday night lights the show, which I'm rewatching right now with, with my
0: wife Laura. No, um, I haven't seen You haven't like, seen any of season two or three. I saw season one for what? sure.
2: I haven't seen
3: any. Any? You uh, seen it? It's a good, Friday Night Lights. A yeah. Show. Oh, it's the best. It's the I'm show. on my second time through. Yeah, the pilot. Right. The pilot. I need a football coach. <sighs> Always. I like Coach Taylor is one of the best coach characters there's right. ever been. The pilot of Friday Night
4: Lights is just like this horrific but beautiful experience. This hour long nightmare, but that is also beautiful. Like I, when I, um, again, like I'm rewatching it with with my wife, and she was like, we were watching the first the, the pilot, and she the whole time was just like. Weeping and like twirling her hair, <laughs> like weeping. I was like, "Yo, this is real." Because the first time I saw it, I was like, "Yo, this is wild, man!" Like, yeah. I'm not gonna spoil it for anybody, but the, tr- the pilot is the wildest shit ever. I thought the whole series was like, I could have been good off that. I could have been good off the pilot and just what? been like, I don't need the rest. But is fortunately, what, the rest what, is good. Yeah, you yeah. could
3: watch the whole first season and probably cry 25 times. Yeah. Speaking personally. Uh, <laughs> It's and the only reason show. to watch the rest of it is that there's a character named Tim Riggins. Yo, so <laughs> I remember Tim,
0: Isaac... Uh, Tim Riggins is like my favorite character. Isaac Fitzgerald,
3: television. who writes for BuzzFeed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, had posted about how he just got into Friday Night Lights, and he would have gotten there a lot sooner if he had known that the title was actually drinking with Tim Riggins. <laughs> wow.
2: wow <laughs> yeah.
3: Fantastic. Alright, so
0: you're 19, you go on this road trip to Odessa, Texas. Yeah. It,
4: it was not good. But
0: okay, I'm glad it happened. I mean, I don't know if it was like, so Odessa's
4: like, a, I know mean, Odessa's like. A, I was feeling pretty
0: good about that lead in, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> not, I because, tell you, man, was telling like, you. Hey, in 19 years old. You're going to Odessa, Texas. I got this. Tell us about that. It wasn't and, uh, good. It wasn't good. But also,
4: when I was that age, I wasn't like into writing, so there was no romance. Like, it wasn't this romantic road trip to find literature. I just wanted to see the town. You right. know, Odessa's like, uh, I mean, West Texas, there are a lot of oil towns that just don't have oil anymore, right? So it's just mm. mad depressing. and so there's just like fields like empty fields and nothing else and then there's there's permian high school which which frightened like space lawfuls it's like this gigantic thing just plopped down in the middle of these empty oil fields so it was really sad um and then i was like well i drove like you know 24 hours you know what i mean like and this is what i got so i gotta go back there
3: (laughs) so what did you do when you were there
4: um, I talked to people. Like I hung out. I hung out for like two days. I went around the town asking about like the history of the football team and wow. all kinds. And they were like, "Were you writing you... a story for it?" No, <laughs> you I weren't was... writing at that time. You were a journalist
3: at the time. I, well, wasn't
4: it at the time I was nineteen. No, I was like, "When did you, you were a start... soccer player?" <laughs> yeah, I was a soccer player. I was
3: wow. We... That was but very... you know how many young poets who are your fans who are you know hopefully going to be listening to this podcast are like man Hanif read Do you a one? book. And then he went to Odessa, Texas. And right. they're going to be like, I'm going, don't go to Odessa, Texas. I'm going to just heard that and I'm like, damn, yeah, dude, well, I'm, I'm, why am I not gonna, going to I'm the places, places of these books?
4: Don't, don't go to any, I used to, like, be very interested in going to places where um, books were set. Mm. Uh, that's a thing that I, I, I love that. still do, but not as that. much, because, like... Adult life, you know what I mean. But Odessa was bottom five. Don't do it if you're like Ooh. young. And, if you're young and listening to this, like I'm gonna do what Hanif did to become a writer, that did not help me become a writer. <laughs> okay, <word. laughs> so, Nothing like that. But <laughs> people are still listening
0: that. and sneakily being like, he says no. that. No, listen. <laughs> Don't listen to John. Listen to Hanif. Do not go to Odessa, Texas. All right. Like, so when when did you start writing? When did that happen? Um, I mean, I. I wrote generic
4: bad stuff, right? Like we all did when I was young. Of right? course. My, my first the first one I remember writing was this like horribly offensive thing I wrote about Jackie Robinson when I was like eleven. <laughs> hold up, hold wow. up. What? It was what do what? it was like this mad. What, what did you
0: say about you Jackie, Jackie Robinson?
4: Robinson? Well, I didn't understand the Jackie Robinson story. So like this information. I I like I don't know. It was wild. I was like wow and I was like eleven or twelve and I wrote about how he was like how he wasn't a hero because he was just like a yes man and all this horrible horrible Woo! stuff. And my mom was like, listen <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate yeah, your not. passion.
0: Your mom was but, <laughs> wow.
4: yeah, she got me off the paint on that one. And, <laughs> okay. um, but I, I witnessed writing growing up. My mom had a typewriter. She wrote a lot. There were mm-hmm. always books in our house. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like writing was something that I think my parents kind of instilled in me as a kid, but I just was never writing creatively. you know, right. At least not with any real ability. Um I started writing poems in 2012. Um, that was that came 2012? after 2012. Yeah, that's so not long ago. It wasn't very long. When did ago. we did we meet in 2012? Uh, we met in. Yeah, 2012, and you probably don't remember this, but you read a horrible poem of mine. Remember, you
3: came to you came to Writer's Block. I remember this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wait, didn't you reference this? Yeah, story?
3: I told yeah. you the story. I yeah, think. Yeah. It was a horrible. Yeah. I want to hear. Just I didn't tell, tell it as a horrible poem. It was no, I should tell the story. Yeah,
4: honey. So John John came and featured at Writer's Block, and, and shout out to like the there are very real writers in Columbus who shaped me, and, and Will Evans and Scott Wizard, two of them, and Will Evans. Um, this was like 2012, I think, very early. Like maybe it was late 2011. Maybe it was like your Thanksgiving thing when you came to Thanksgiving shows. Mm-hmm. And Will was like, listen, man, you have to go see John Sands. Like, you have to. Like, it's just, you know, you'll learn a lot. And so I went, and I was like, oh, this is great. You know, this feature's going great. Like, these poems are good. And then at the end of the night, Scott Woods, who hosts the Writer's Block, was like, hey, pull up a, pull up a poem of yours on your phone and, I, and I, I didn't know what was happening so I was like oh cool. Like, That's I, the whole audience. Yeah, yeah yeah. and I was like yeah okay this is cool like maybe I'm going to come up and do like a little spotlight you know what I mean? And at the time I had like two poems only. Right? <laughs> I, I had like one or two poems. Wow. And they are like in my fa- you know them joints where you like first start writing poems you're like I'm going to put these in my Facebook notes so the world can see that I'm like. Yes! Gonna... You know what I mean? Real? <laughs> so like I had this, I had this like 800 word poem you know, like maybe 10,000 words some shit like that in my Facebook notes and I pulled it up and Scott was like alright John's." <laughs> to read it and I was like oh no <laughs> <laughs> like, this is what I thought was going to happen that's the best response
3: <laughs> oh, oh, no. so you didn't know that I was going to no it. I was it's like this good. is like not
4: good wow. and it was, the poem I was love... like wow problematic I think like, yeah but it was really good though too nah, man. I mean I'm not saying funny.
3: I just see why you would look <laughs> back on it and say man I, that's not my finest work especially <laughs> knowing the poems that you've written since but it wasn't like reading it and being like man this is bad that was like a second. Like you were good, yeah, but you were good. like, you know, like you had surprising turns in there. You had funny surprising. lines. You had images. <laughs> it was a love poem, wasn't it? It was like it was a lovish poem. Yeah, it a lovish
2: poem. That well, was like what one of those who was your, like, was all about like. We gotta talk about. Yeah, love-ish. it was bad. Yeah,
4: I, really the poems I wrote early on were all about like. I had a really bad concept of like gender and romance, so really? it was all like I, I was one of those dudes who was like, I "I'm gonna write you some that. of these poems, girl, and they're gonna save you." Right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that window, no! but
4: that was I think. That window of time was like six months. I had a six month window because I didn't know what I was doing, right? right? Of course. And then after I crawled out of that six month, I looked back and I was like, oh, wow. wow." (laughs) (laughs) This is what I was doing.
2: Like, what happened? I feel you, bro. I'm I'm very happy that I did not know of these tidings. And shout out
4: to, like, the poets. Like, again, shout out to, like, Rachel Wiley and, like, poets who, like, held me accountable. You know what I mean? Like, poets who were like, this isn't what you should be doing. You should be. And, it, and granted, they weren't they weren't as bad as it made them sound, but it, they were very much like in that vein, right? Mm-hmm. It was very much like patronizing dude poems, you know, like the kind we hear, like you know.
2: We don't
3: need to say days but we know. We know. But, but what that's do. also beautiful yeah. to know yeah. that Hanif, you know, the Hanif that you know and yeah. love. And honestly, I think you're being way too hard on the poem. I remember it kind of in my mind. like. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just love thinking about how there's, I, I picture this story with like split
0: screen, you know what I mean? Totally. And on one, on one screen is like Hanif sitting in his was, seat, clueless as to
3: what's happening. And on the other side is John, and John is also clueless as to what's happening. But, you know, but <laughs> also just remember, I think the next time that you hear somebody read a poem that has a really problematic line, that yeah. there is potentially yeah. a really great writer and thinker in there. Yeah. And oftentimes in the way that we have it set up now, we're like, yo, you know what? Fuck that dude, and I'm gonna tell him, and then I'm gonna tell everybody. Can't do that. And that no. is what it's gonna be. Yeah. And I remember when I, I mean, I started going to louder arts in 2007, and I had a lot of fucked up poems. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I did a whole three month writing session where I just sounded like Buddy Wakefield. <laughs> you know, hey, like,
2: man. and a lot of yeah. people
3: went through that. You know, yeah. and need
2: that sometimes, yeah. I oh, mean, and shout
3: absolutely. out to the writers who make yeah. you. Imitate them, but it like yeah. it was a problem. Like I got yeah. called out publicly huh. for it, and 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 like of course that that is okay and fine, but that was still a formidable time. And I remember the people who were like, "Hey man, I think you're doing this and this and this," when like maybe you should try this and this and yeah. this. And I remember the people who were like, "Hey, fuck that," uh, and, it's annoying, and and right? years later. Mm-hmm. I'm friends with both of them. Right. <laughs> you know, like I'm friends with all of those people. Yeah. Uh, but there's, you know, like you don't forget those moments in your life where you're kind of stepping into uh, articulation. And I think the further along you are in terms of like writing poems or writing, you know, anything, you forget how how impossibly difficult it is to do it right off the bat and oh, how man. inundated you are with Every like just the world. Yeah. And how happy
2: you feel when you were like, I mean, for like the first year and a half, I think of writing like articulately. I just wanted to sound like Rachel McKibbins and Mm -hmm. Angel Nafis. I was like, Mm -hmm. if I can sound like Rachel McKibbins and Angel Nafis, I'm in the pocket, like everything's lit, you know. Who cares, you know, about whatever I am, whatever this voice needs to become. But right now, it just needs to sound like these two folks, you know. I need to make eye contact like these folks and I need to, like, be tenacious like these folks. And so for a while, the poems Had their gravity and not my gravity, and I'm and I'm always grateful to people who were like gracious enough to let that exist, Mm -hmm. you know, and then like in a in a healthy way, you know. Eventually, like I got to sit with Angel and you know chop it up about my poems in in a way that wasn't like I just want to be you type shit. It was just like no, you're you, I'm me. This is a poem, you know, and and I'm very thankful for those moments. But like I remember being like giddy as hell, like, the first time I got to share a stage with Rachel McKibbins sounding just like Rachel McKibbins, like, it's an odd thing and she was real cool about it, you know but it's, I think I would've been, like, really embarrassed if someone had told me, like hey, stop that shit, you know what I mean you don't sound like you you know, that would've made me sad
4: yeah, I think, like um, I am thankful that I had people Kind of holding my hand, but I think my poems became what they, whatever they are now, is when I stopped. You know, early on I was like, all right, I want to write a poem uh, that like Will Evans will like, and it's like right, I don't want to write a poem that this other poet will like, and I want to write a poem that Terrence Hayes will like. And that I think I'm, I'm kind of just trying to write poems that I like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That I could feel feel good about reading out loud, and I think that is where my work peaked in uh, on both levels, like, not just with poems, but with essays or long-form, whatever, mm. right? I think having people there for you to kind of lift you up and, and, and like, show you something that you're not seeing, you mm. know, is dope, but
3: uh, eventually you kind of got to look all over the horizon on your own.
2: Totally.
3: There's also, like, a I'm enough statement in there, yeah. you know, like, of just, like, I have good taste, and if <laughs> I like my poems, then I'm probably doing something okay. Yeah. You know, like, if a book came out and you thought that it was good, I would be like, that's probably good. You know, if, like, Hanif really likes this book, mm-hmm. it's probably got, If I even if I don't love it, it's gonna have a lot of redeemable qualities that I'm gonna <laughs> learn from. Yeah. yeah. And to recognize that trait in yourself and say, alright, I'm just gonna, like, go for my own approval. Yeah. You know. That's a win. Agree. That also recall, reminds yeah. me of a uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Yes,
2: please. The which best. Is
0: an excellent movie. That's a banger. Yeah. It yeah, yeah. did not win an Oscar. It should have won an Oscar. <laughs> but in Jiro Dreams of Sushi, Jiro talks about how, you know, you have to have good taste to make good totally. sushi. He's like, you can't expect to make good food if you don't
1: and have a palate, like, if you yeah. don't have
0: a palate for it. You know what I mean? And I think that's what I hear when I hear you talking about Mm-hmm. learning to trust your own opinion and, like, sort of writing them for yourself, in a sense, trying to impress yourself with it. It's, like, understanding that, that your own taste has value and that you know what you're doing with them. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. it's not necessarily an easy thing to feel or to do.
2: Nah. And th- Ira Glass has a really lit quote that I'm about to somewhat butcher. <laughs> um But he's, like... So, as an artist, you know... Um, initially all you have is your taste Mm. you know you're like I like some stuff and I think Mm. it's really cool stuff you know like I like these movies I like these books I like this food etc right and you trust your own taste because you're into it you're into the things that you're into and then you start making your own art and initially it is nowhere near like as good or as beautiful or as nuanced as the stuff you like and you're sad because you're like why doesn't this match up because I know I I have great taste. I know right. that. But right. right now, it's like, I don't like my shit. You know? mm. This is not where I want it to be. And so many people get stuck right there at the point where they're like, oh, but my stuff isn't as mm-hmm. good as the stuff I like. Mm. And they stay there. But he's like, if you just give it more time and eventually you'll be where the rest of your stuff is, you'll like your stuff is like this autonomous You know, entity. Like, you'll write a book and be like, hey, yeah, I like my book. That was a pretty cool book. And it it fits with all the other things I like. And you just have to have the patience to wait until your stuff is as good as your taste allows. And, like, for a while, all you have to rely on is, but I know what I like is pretty fresh. Yeah. And when I like this, it'll be probably pretty fresh.
3: Do you think (laughs) everyone has the capacity to do that? To wait out their tastes? I only said it because, like, yeah. I read Hanif's poem, you know, in that so <laughs> And I know that we remember differently soap, about because you're you, you know, and that's your poem. Mm. But it was no, you know, like, I read that poem and was like, this dude is has no ceiling, mm. you know? Like, that was evident in early poems. right. Even if they weren't perfect, right? That poem was like my A1 banger for like four months. (laughs) 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 I only had like three poems. I would like break that out of every open mic. We forget that though, right? You look at poems of yours that you're like... You read them for grown-ups in whole rooms where people loved them. Yeah. You had like found belonging and loving around them, and then you look back on them and you're like, dude, I wouldn't read this in any room, (laughs) because everybody would know that it sucked, and it's like, well, all these grown-ups really appreciated this poem and felt like it was articulating something, whereas I don't know, you know, like, I'm not trying to be mean, it's just, uh, that's like a valid question that I end up having about, like, who has the potential to write as good as their tastes. And who doesn't? I've thought a lot about... You know uh, Murakami has... I
2: love that dude.
3: He's great. He has a book called What I Talk About When I Talk About Running. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Have you read that? Yeah. It's
2: one of the best. Unreal. And he
3: talks about the ingredients for a novelist. And he says, the first that you need, bar none, is talent. And that nobody can teach you that. It's not like a muscle. You just have it or you don't. But he's seen people who have very little talent go way further with the other two things you need which are focus and endurance yeah and those are muscles that you can build that he's seen people go way further with a little bit of talent but develop muscles of focus and endurance than people who have all the talent in the world and just like can't put it together because they can't focus and they have no endurance
2: totally and i'm
3: always trying to like hone
4: those other two i think especially uh endurance (laughs) i think like you know, I had a point last year where people would say stuff to me like, "Oh man, I read your thing here, here, or here, and you're on like a you're on like a hot streak." And I'd be like, "I oh, don't know, this is a streak. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like working really hard. You know what I mean? Like, I've been working really hard for like a year and a half, right? Yeah. And so, and granted, we're all everyone hits a hits kind of their stride at different times and, and keeps going. But yeah, I mean, the I don't. I don't know if I can accurately measure my talent level, but I think like I try to keep my focus and endurance really high. Yeah. So, how have you worked on those muscles to develop them? I don't think I kind of don't. I was kind of just like thrown into the water, right? You know what I mean. So I, I had to. I didn't have to for a long time. Um, when did you get thrown into the water? What do you mean? I think I think it probably happened early last year, right? When it was like, well, I have to write a book now, or I have to like get a book together now. Um, you know, I submitted to the Button Chapbook Prize, which is EZA won in Shout 2013. Uh,
2: 2012. Twenty twelve. Yeah.
4: Um, and they came back like, you know, well, uh, we like this a lot. We want to make it into a full-length book. And I was like, well, I got a chapbook. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at a crossroad.
0: <laughs> um, and, that's that's amazing.
4: <laughs> and then, I mean, I had other poems, but like the concept of the book, right, was like all the heart of it was all in that chapbook. Um, and then mid, you know, around last year, I started um, writing stuff again, writing stuff that wasn't just poems. I started writing long form essays and stuff like that, and, and those things were received well. Like very fortunately, I'm really fortunate for a lot of the places that I've had stuff like go up and all that. So I had to like manage my life in a way that was completely different Mm -hmm. right like I had to give myself deadlines I had to like give myself a standard of quality I had to like tell myself that I want to write so well that I don't have to go back and write something again Mm -hmm. right like I want my essay to be so good that it doesn't need that many edits so that I can write more poems instead Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. it's just like um you know I a criticism I read about my work recently was that um, it seems like I'm always really trying hard to find the prettiest words to fit, right? I'm always trying to fit everything in very neatly to my work. Um, but I think that's just a byproduct of me, like, trying to get things right the first time, mm. Um And it fails sometimes. Sometimes I I try to get things right the first time and it's like a disaster. Mm -hmm. Um, And my goal for this year is to kind of let go a little more and and write write messy and write sloppy and uh, take some joy in that. You know, not like intentional sloppy, gross writing. But I mean, like, you know, don't be afraid of, of... doing another draft. So many of my poems I write and I submit them mm-hmm. wow. like the minute they're done.
2: Yeah. Wow. Um I do that too.
4: Yeah, I often write that way too. Yeah. I like edit
0: as I go along. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I mean half my poems are written in my head before they're ever on the page, mm. right? And so, like, when they get on the page, they're at a level where I feel like they can be submitted to journals, you know what mm. I mean? That's and true. granted, like, if I get the same shit back, like, five times, then I was like, well, maybe I need
2: some <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not yet.
4: Maybe, yeah. I should, maybe I should chill out on this one. But, it, I mean, it's worked out okay for me, I think. Right. Um, yeah.
0: You wrote my favorite article of last year, which was... Uh, the Disney sidekicks as oh. rappers. Piece. Wow.
2: Wow. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm was,
0: really thankful that one got out of the world. No one talked about that That was, that one, was my like. shit. That <laughs> was so funny. I read it like one morning. I was like on the train to work and I was just like, well, <laughs> today's going to be fantastic. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. I read about all these Disney characters.
4: It was, um, again, like that one is like, shout out to. Shout out to Will Evans on that one. I, like, tweeted some jokes about Disney characters, like, late on a Saturday night, and I get a text from Will, and he's like, who runs the site Black Nerd Problems that you should check out, no doubt. Why? And he he texted me and was like, you want to write something about Disney characters for Black Nerd Problems? And I was like yeah, you know, it's the worst that could happen. You know what I mean? (laughs) So, like, I just went up to my computer that night. It was, like, midnight on a Saturday and I just started typing this ridiculous shit. I think that was dope for me because it came at a time where I felt like I wanted to write something that's, like, more silly. (laughs) It's Uh, so funny. I feel like you get pigeonholed. I feel like writers, especially women and writers of color, right, Mm -hmm. they get put in these boxes where it's, like, you write one thing and then you're that person.
2: Very serious person. Yeah,
4: like, you're very Very
2: unfunny person. It's like,
4: you know, I wrote. I spent a whole year writing a book about like gentrification and death, right? And mm-hmm. so, like, but that's not who I. I definitely do not want that to be like that's inside of me, right? Yeah. right. And it's just living and it's growing. But I also have all these other things that I need to grow with it, yeah. so that I'm not just this like deeply serious and angry person all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that I'm glad you like that piece because that really got a lot of joy outside of me. Yeah. Uh, I'm really interested in like, I don't know. I talk a lot about like. I talk a lot about, like, getting the joy that I have outside of my body and having mm-hmm. it live elsewhere so I can have it in places that just isn't here. Mm-hmm. So that I can look back on it and that piece is, like, great for me. I don't reread a lot of things
3: I write, but I've reread that because it's right. like <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I just so cracked that, up. I ended up writing, after you were posting the Disney character, when I wrote, like, a flounce. That was, like, the piece of short fiction that I loved the most <laughs> this year. Was from the perspective of Flounder, Flounder yes. the from the Little Mermaid. Yeah, Flounder like kind of hating Ariel, who yeah. really takes advantage of Flounder. Really does, totally. Like heavily takes <laughs> advantage of Flounder <laughs> and is you like, eh, Flounder, help me leave you Aww. into a world that you like can't can, like exist literally cannot survive." It. Uh, food. But it's better, and uh, help me out, and then I'm gonna go up there and get fucked up and like help me stay. Yeah. Just
2: help me whenever.
3: It I was basically you. yeah, yeah. It was like Ariel the Narcissist and Flounder the like abused friend.
1: Aww.
3: Who's like, you know what, I don't think our friendship is equal. Right. Here. <laughs> and not just a trying lot of to please You, Ariel. No you know, no. I get to please your eccentricities. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: Facts. No, um, I like what you said though, just about like having joy be externalized. Yourself, yeah. yeah. Cause I think I've been thinking about that a lot too in in my work where it's just like what kind of you know, in terms of like legacy things, like what mm. kind of books do I want with my name on them? You know, like mm. if my name's on it, what kind of book is that book? And it reminds me just a lot of like Octavia Butler, and, and also with Murakami talks of just like having to have a discipline. Like there's yeah. already so much seriousness around the discipline, right? But then the the joy is my finished product can be so exuberant, can be so silly, like well-crafted silliness is such an ecstasy. Yeah. Um, It's also difficult. People don't
0: realize how hard it is to write well about joy. You know what I mean? It's just as hard to write well about joy as it is to write well about suffering. You know what I'm saying? Like Those are both tough tasks. And I think I'm
4: glad you mentioned Octavia Butler because I think she's a a good example of how to... Incredible. But the epigraph for my book was an Octavia Butler quote and then I, I switched it up. I pulled it for a Josephine Baker quote. But Fly. But I want I tell you Butler to know that <laughs> <laughs> you're in the running. Yeah, you're yeah. top two.
2: What was the quote? About it
4: was the one. It was the uh, I have a savage conscience. The mm. one about her conscience and won't let her won't let her something. Mm. I don't know. Mm. I, I, I swiped it for a Josephine Baker quote. So
2: Word. shout
4: out to Josephine Baker.
3: Shout <laughs> out to both. Dumb of fly. Them. Yeah. Both Incredible. can't go wrong. Cannot. So. So we, yeah, Hanif, we, would we you, you be able to a read a poem? poem yeah. to close us out. <laughs> yeah, uh,
4: this is. Oh uh, wait, hold
3: up, everybody at home. I hope that you'll you know gather your headphones close and then yep. bring your hands out. <laughs> Turn the and then you'll put up. them together. That you'll yeah, turn the volume <laughs> up. Maybe it's put an on a little, right you know, non-verbal music behind it. it might that it exclusive Hopefully, it might yeah. be an exclusive. It might be it exclusive. Might not. Way, it's an exclusive. Exclusive. The only place to hear this poem is on the Poetry Gods. <laughs> yeah. uh, light a candle. I should I pull it up I'm scrolling through Instagram yeah, yeah we're, we're not, not opening open you out, out. I, was yeah. like, you <laughs> I was
4: scrolling through
0: <laughs> I was like I'm gonna let them do this I'm gonna catch up I'm I like, need phone out and spot to get that poem and that is so just let me just check on Instagram Hey, I like that that's a
4: good like when I opened right my, my phone Instagram was a thing and I was like I'll see what people are <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay,
4: what are people talking about on this? Martin Luther King Day
2: it is that guy's day it
4: is it is my dad always
2: whenever I'm visiting LA he always asks me like well don't you want to stay for the parade Parade? Like, don't you want to stay for the MLK parade? And I'm like, Dad, when have we ever gone to the parade down the street? I just have to pause it back because I right. I think about him a lot.
0: Today. All right, so here we go.
3: So now you got uh, your candles lit. Yeah, candles are Light lit.
0: your incense. You know what I mean. Whatever you do in your place of being, please uh, light and incense. please put your hands together for Honey. Hey! This uh
4: this poem actually got accepted today. Hey! Uh, so I'm mostly reading it because I have access, like easiest access to it can it's you like, tell
0: us where it got accepted
4: I can't yet no uh,
3: alright all right. All right. Right. that means it was accepted it was at was the accepted New Yorker to you can check it out
0: yeah. American Poetry Review coming soon <laughs> New York Times
3: front page yeah. hey, it's lit it's so lit right now Cincinnati yeah. Review it, yeah. it got accepted to all those places
0: <laughs> at the
3: same time at the same, same,
0: time. Time.
4: same time running yeah. simultaneously just gonna make them fight Amazing. it out
3: yeah uh, you no. It it's,
4: first. <laughs> it's dope because we were talking about joy, and mm. uh, this poem is like somewhat joyful. Uh, this is called A Poem in Which No Black People Are Dead.
2: Ooh.
4: Here, the bouquet of bullets instead finds a fresh patch of dirt, and just like that, it is spring again. In this poem, I speak of the grandmother, but not of time's eager shadow, shadow reaching for her legs. Instead, there is no ancestor that cannot be touched by a hand four generations younger. In this poem, we weaponize joy. Mm
1: -hmm.
4: Gospel is sung during the week without burying anyone because it is what the living demand. Mm -hmm. No one dead looks like anyone's child here because there is no one dead here. Mm
1: -hmm.
4: There is no child who is not called a child, Mm -hmm. even when they have sinned against the earth. All of our heroes are still living. Their statues, bronze and tall on street corners. Jamal from the barber shop. Miss Rose, who put her foot in some fried chicken once and ain't never pulled it out. Here, no one asks for permission to celebrate their living. And so it is. The night pulls back its black mask and gives way to more black. The type that turns the speakers up loud and runs into the streets. Mm -hmm. The type that don't know how to act but ain't here to impress nobody. Mm -hmm. A whole city opens its cracked palms and holds the buzzing within. In this poem, it sounds like a prayer. Not the hushed kind, but the one that arrives on the lips after a lover trusts you with their undoing. The kind that comes from a table where the spades are up and the tea is sweet. Mm -hmm. Here, everyone black is a church that never burns. Everyone black is a fire themselves, eternal light, blood still hot and never on the pavement. If heaven is a place of no pain, let this be heaven. Here, the god of bulletproof rapture is washing a boy's feet in the river. The boy looks up, summons every black bird from its nest, commands them to cover the sky.
2: Whoa. Yo, did you say uh, every, every black person is a fire themselves? Yeah. Yo, thank you.
4: Thanks for letting me yes. read that. It's like no one's heard that before.
2: It is an exclusive. Yeah, yeah. exclusive. You heard
4: it.
0: Wow. Out here, take that American Yo, poetry magazine. Hanif review. is never going to read that poem again. Never, <laughs> never reading uh, that again. Only right here, you know what I mean? Take that poetry magazine. Unreal. Don't even try to get it for your podcast. It's already done. <laughs> all already here. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: all you other podcasts. Out here dancing in people's videos. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're too late. You're too late. You can't stop us. It's done. And uh, one more time, y'all. Big round of applause for Hanif. Yeah. Anif. yeah. yeah. Thank Thanks for having me.
3: Yes, sir. Hanif, where can, where can uh, the people find you on the internet? Uh, my website is
4: Uh It's my last name. It's I'm not going to spell it.
2: Uh <laughs> they'll find you, they'll y'all find me out.
4: My website's at DuraKeep.com, my Twitter is uh Neef Muhammad. I'll spell that. It's uh N I F M U H A M M A D. Uh I tweet a lot about
3: sports and Everything music. I like. <laughs> <about>. Literally, like, <laughs> yeah, everything. Facts. Because you have a lot of Cincinnati Bengals tweets that and I feel like of other of followers, followers <laughs> might be, like, wading through, and I'm like, I, feel I, feel I like count on Honey for I tweet, Cincinnati Bengals. I tweet. I tweet
4: less about sports a little bit this year, like, or last year I started tweeting less about sports because, like... I don't know. I, I feel like I tweet too much about sports for literary Twitter, but I tweet too much about, like, literary shit for sports Twitter, and I tweet too much about, like, social justice movements for, like... Either. Either. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what that makes I you? Love that, that makes shit. you
2: a hub for I'm solace. Hub for... People, people yeah. need I'm just good. I'm just
4: trying to get on those lists, like, when they list, like... 20 posts to follow on Twitter, and like always, Mo Brown is always like number one, yeah. which is like valid. But yeah. I'm also trying to be on that list. Yeah, kind of you know be I mean, like
0: to be number 19. You Mo Brown. You. I'm trying to be, yeah, I'm gonna try to be Montana. I hey, was to be I was the last person on my seventh grade basketball team. I'm just trying to be the last. Trying to be a last poet who should
4: like respect to Mo Brown. Like I follow Mo Brown on Twitter. Yeah, Mo Brown follows me back. like future guest of the Poetry Guys. Gotta be a guest on the Poetry
2: Without a doubt. But yeah, follow
3: me on Twitter and Instagram. I take a lot of pictures of, like, my dog.
2: It's a very yeah. beautiful dog. Nice. I love her It
3: is a good dog. niece is a good follow on all of these things. On
0: everything. Also, I mean... You know, I don't even really catch up with the MLS like that, but I was like very into oh, the, the crew? Columbus Crew's journey to the MLS. Yeah, finals, and shout out really
4: to that. shout out to MLS who let me like write about the crew. Which like of all the publications I got last year, people are always like, "What's your favorite one?" You were in this and this. Yo, like the MLS like let me write about the Columbus Crew, and that is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in any publishing writing shit <laughs> ever. Like it, it doesn't matter. I could be published or, in. Everywhere this year, yeah. and that is always going to be the coolest shit for me because, like, War. I got to write about my city on like a huge. You know what I mean? Like, that yeah, was wild. Yeah. it was wild.
2: That's dope. And I got to study up because that all sounded like different language. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and I'm all right with that. Now I'm saying, like, I yeah. take that, I take my lumps, as they say. I'm gonna go <laughs> back say. to the lab That's with that right. one.
3: War. Let's play the song.
0: All Ooh. right, y'all. Peace. We'll catch you next time on the Poetry Gods.
1: But they nice just know. don't know. What I told you. People see me, but <laughs> hey. people seen it, but they just don't know. People see it, but they just don't know. People, people, people not know People see it, but they just don't know. People see it, but they just don't know. Come on, baby, let the good time roll. <laughs> hey, hey, hey.
0: Come on. <laughs> that's it. We're done. Wow. <laughs> I didn't didn't realize
4: that that was like a real...